Good evening. We gather as a family. We gather to worship our Savior and the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And tonight, on the eve of Christmas, we do so. We'll be in Luke chapter 2 this evening, and if you haven't, I would invite you to open up your Bible if you don't have a Bible with you. There's one in the pew in front of you, and we'll be in Luke chapter 2, page 1090. And this evening, we're going to look at a familiar Christmas passage, one that may, maybe some of you have read before opening presents or before having a Christmas dinner with family. But tonight we get the privilege and honor to slow down, to look at what Luke is communicating to us about the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And we've read Scripture already, how all the way back from the beginning of creation in Genesis, this was foretold. Prophecy was made through Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, David, through the prophets of Isaiah and Micah. We look at prophecy foretold, and now as we enter in Luke, we will see prophecy fulfilled. And we're going to see how God is a sovereign God in all of this, orchestrating everything to fulfill what He has promised through Jesus, our Savior. And so before we get into Luke chapter 2, I want us to open up in prayer first, and then we'll dive into our text this evening. Heavenly Father, we come and we are so thankful that we can celebrate the birth of Jesus, our Savior, the King. Father, I pray that even now as we come together as a family, as we reflect on your word, that we would take time to slow down. Take time to reflect on the miracles that you have done. Take time to reflect on who Jesus is. And so, Father, as we pause this evening, may you give us ears to hear what you have to say to us. May you give us minds to understand these words. May you give us a heart to receive these words. And I pray this in the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen. So like I said, we'll be in Luke chapter 2, starting in verses 1 going through verse 7, as I read these, I invite you to look at how the sovereignty of God is played out through these verses. So Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 1. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that the whole empire should be registered. The first registration took place while Corn. Quirinius was governor of Syria, so everyone went to register, each to his own town. 
Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family line of David, to be registered along with Mary, who was engaged to him and pregnant. While they were there, the time came for her to give birth. Then she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him tightly in clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. Two points that I want to address this evening is that God is sovereign over the known, and God is sovereign over the unknown. And so first, let's look at how God is sovereign over the known in verses 1 through 3. If we could just back up one once again and Let me just reread these three verses. Luke records, In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that the whole empire should be registered. The first registration took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. So everyone went to be registered, each to his own town. Luke introduces two characters here. The first character, Caesar Augustus. He was well known. In fact, in the history of the Roman Empire, he is probably the most influential person in that history. He was powerful. In fact, he was known as the Son of God. Everything he did and said came to pass. There was no one in the known world that had more power than he had. There was no one who rivaled his power. He was the most powerful person in the known world. And Luke starts opening the scene with Caesar Augustus. Anything that Caesar said, he would command armies. He would make decrees and that would come forth. No one questioned his commands. He had servants waiting on him hand and foot. He lived in the palace. He lived in comfort. He had anything he ever wanted. He didn't have any concern for who God of Israel was, the true living God. Because he himself thought he was God. But yet... As we will see that God is sovereign and He, God, uses Caesar Augustus to carry out His own will. And so while Caesar Augustus thinks he is the most powerful person on earth and no one rivals him, there is one that is greater than him. And God is going to use Caesar Augustus to fulfill everything that he has promised long ago. How? Well, Luke records in those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus. This was official. No one's going to question this. What he says is going to happen. What that decree is that everyone in the whole empire should be registered. Meaning that they are going to take account... They're going to see who's all in the empire. 
And this is going to cause a chain reaction for some people that we will encounter in just a little bit. The second person that we encounter is in verse 2. The, ver- the first registration took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. Maybe not as powerful as Caesar Augustus, but he was also pretty well known. He was well known amongst the empire. He received his power from Caesar Augustus, but both of these men were pretty well known throughout the entire empire. In our day and age, it would be as if we would ask who the president was. Everyone probably knows who the president is and who the vice president is. In the same way, everyone would know who Caesar Augustus is, and everyone know who would this governor be. They were well known, and yet they had no desire to know the God of Israel. They had no desire to hear of such things, and yet God is going to use these well-known figures to fulfill what he has promised long ago. And so God is sovereign over the known. He is sovereign over everything that takes place. And so even in our world today, even at this time, those who are in high authority, those who hold offices and rule, God is sovereign over them. God is sovereign over the known, but we'll also see in the following verses, God is also sovereign over the unknown. Because I'm sure most of us don't have the status of Caesar Augustus or Quirinius, who was a governor. For most of us, we're going to be more have the status of Joseph and Mary, who were unknown. So in verse 4, Luke says, Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem because he was the house and family line of David to be registered along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was pregnant. Joseph, unknown. He was probably only known by friends and family. He was an unknown man from an unknown city. See, Nazareth, you weren't making travel plans or vacations to go to Nazareth. Nazareth was a small town. It didn't have any major highways going through it. No trading routes that wandered up in that area. In fact, the only reason why we know Nazareth exists is because it's recorded in Scripture. There's no other documentation of this city. It was a small town. We may refer it as Nowheresville. You didn't go to Nazareth. And so this man, Joseph, is in Nazareth, an unknown man from an unknown city. But yet God is going to do something. He's going to use 
people in power to carry out his will. And he's also going to use this man and woman to also carry out his will. So Joseph, an unknown man from an unknown city, just happens to be in the line of David. David, the great king of Israel. The same David that God promised that the king will come from your line. Your throne will be established forever and ever. This is the same Joseph. See, God's hand is at work. These things don't just happen to come about. It's just not coincidence that this Joseph from Nazareth just happens to fall in the line of David. But God's hand is at work to make sure what he said through the prophets is now being fulfilled. And so you have Joseph, because he was in the line of David, got up and went up to Nazareth, or I'm sorry, to Bethlehem from Nazareth, to be registered along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was pregnant. Again, this isn't just happenstance that Joseph was just happened to be engaged to this woman named Mary who just happened to be visited by an angel who declared to her that you will be given, you'll be the woman who will give birth to the Son of God, Jesus, who has come to save his people from their sins. God is a God who is sovereign. God is the God who is orchestrating all of this together so that What he has promised long ago will be fulfilled. And he uses the well-known, the powerful, the elite. And he also uses the humble and lowly to make sure that his will is done. He is sovereign over all. And we know that Joseph and Mary, while they are... Jews, they are also faithful Jews. Despite coming from Nazareth, you may have heard the saying, what good comes from Nazareth? That phrase, what good comes from Nazareth, is speaking about morality. Again, this is a small town that you just don't go and visit, you don't take a vacation to, because partly it's a corrupt, evil city. And yet, in the midst of this corrupt, evil city, there is Joseph and Mary who stay faithful, who fear God, who love God, who worship God. God uses these two to carry out His will. This isn't just happenstance. It's not coincidence. It's God sovereignly in control of everything. So finally, we get to verses 6 and following. While they were there, the time came for her to give birth. Then she gave birth to her firstborn son. 
And she wrapped him tightly in clothes and laid him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. God is a sovereign God. Do you think that this just happened, that he had Caesar Augustus make this decree for the whole empire to be registered, which caused Joseph and Mary to leave Nazareth to go up to Bethlehem. And while they are at Bethlehem, it's at the same time that Mary is pregnant, is ready to give birth, she gives birth to her firstborn son, Jesus. If you remember, one of the passages we read was Micah 5, 2 declaring, prophesying that the Savior will be born in Bethlehem. God is a sovereign God. And He uses people to carry out what He has already promised. The scene she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him tightly in clothes and laid him in the manger because there was no guest room available for them. What a stark contrast from where we first started with Caesar Augustus, who, most powerful person in the known world, who had everything that he could ever want, who lived in a palace and in complete comforts, all the way down to... This baby who is wrapped in cloth and laid in a manger, laid in a feeding trough for animals. See, when Jesus came into this world, he came in the most comfortless conditions. It was smelly, filthy, dirty, noisy, a chilly shelter. It was fitting for the Son of Man who had nowhere to lay his head. The one who was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. For the one who existed in the form of God, but did not count equality with God something to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking on the form of a bondservant, and was made in the likeness of man. For the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many." By bearing our sins in his body on the cross so that we might, be, we might die to sin and live in righteousness. His humble birth was appropriate for Jesus who came to die as a substitute in place of our lowly, humbled, wretched sinners. So what child is this? He is God who came into flesh. As we are sinners, as we have been separated from our Creator, He comes to rescue. He comes to redeem. He comes to save. And so this Christmas, we don't just celebrate with putting up Christmas lights or handing out Christmas presents, or coming together as families and enjoying a dinner together. We come because we recognize it's the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And while the prophets look forward to this day, we look forward to His second coming, knowing that He will come again. 
We can rejoice in that. And so we're going to be led into a song, What Child Is This? After singing that song, we will light the fourth or last candle, the Christ candle. Representing that Christ is the light of this world. He is the one who comes to save his people from their sins. And this is the glorious news. This is the good news of the gospel. And as that flame will be passed throughout the sanctuary, afterwards we'll sing, go, tell it on the mountain. So let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have sent your son, Jesus Christ, to be born a humble, lowly birth. We thank you that you are sovereign over all. And even in the minute details, you are sovereign. Father, you use the powerful and the elite, and you you also use the lowly and the humble. Father, this Christmas Eve and Christmas, may we be reminded of the wonderful news of God becoming flesh and dwelling among us. Father, we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.